Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. I'm just so thankful. You know, was it a year ago, a little over a year ago, we, we couldn't do this. Let's never forget and treasure these moments. I, just, I sat down there just listening to you fellowship and greet one another. Oh, this, this is special. And I love it. <laughs> I love the Word of God. And if you'll look at 2 Corinthians with me, in just a moment I'll read from chapter 3. But the, the privilege of being able to break the Word of life, the bread of life for you this morning. Thank you, Pastor. And thank you, Logan. I mean, Logan, if you don't know Logan, you need, need to get to know Logan. Um, I mean, this is home for him for, I mean, about 150 years, I guess, something like that. Back in the 1800s, he was away in, in college for a while, but then he came back again. <laughs> but I say that because he is, I mean, I don't use this word lightly. He's kind of like a patriarch in the area. Um, everywhere we go, he's pointing out that, that path. That, they, all, they all know Logan. And, uh, thank you, Logan. And thank you so much, Pastor. I, uh, I guess trees, I'm not an expert at all, but trees have, as my, my knowledge is a little limited. It's kind of like two different kinds of root systems. Sometimes they're kind of broad and flat. Sometimes they got that, that tap root that goes boom right to the bottom. And uh, I, I, we had a bit of a storm pass through our area recently. I pulled out of near, near intersection of my house to lower T's at the T junction. I noticed across the street there was a tree that had fallen, boom. And it had one of those big, wide. And I thought, man, I'm glad it didn't fall the other way because it would have blocked the street. And uh, I just saw that flash through my mind this morning sitting here and thought, I really feel like the Lord's saying to you, you're one of those. One of those kind of trees that sink the root, that tap root. Uh, I, I suspect this church has been here for quite a while. See, there's a, a, a building next door. And I've got good news for you that probably isn't news at all. You're going to be here a long time as well. Uh, th- th- there, there are a lot of things changing in the world today, but the, the world still needs the church. And uh, we, we may adjust what we do and how we do things. We still don't change our message. If you had any concern, I think someone needs to hear this this morning. If you had any concern that this church wasn't going to quite make it somehow, maybe even thought about looking around, this church has a deep root, and it's going to be here a long time. Not longer than any of us right here sitting or living. God bless you for being a lighthouse, a, a, a tall, strong tree in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm... I'm kind of a hymns guy. Actually, I love it all. I love the worship choruses, but my roots are in, in Methodism, actually. And uh, there's a, a, a hymn that might not be too familiar. Many of the hymns would be like new songs today, wouldn't they? <laughs> I got this new song for you. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> how I praise thee, precious Savior. How I praise thee, precious Savior. Reenie Bells? That thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me. That I might thy channel be. Channels only. Blessed master. But with all thy wondrous power flowing through me. You can use me every day and every hour. That's kind of the heart of what I feel the Lord has for us today. I've been working on it. You know, it's one of those things where I, I thought I had the message ready about a week ago, and last night I kind of started to rewrite. I'm talking about living from within. And, and it, it's kind of a popular kind of a concept in, the, in business circles in particular these days. 
that, that dwelling on the inward life and living from the inside, meditation, that sort of thing. I'm talking about living from Christ within. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I'm going to jump down a bit because there's so much here. But I, I encourage you to go back and read the whole passage. Remember, when this was written, there weren't chapters and verses. Just kind of flowed. Chapter 4, verse 3. Just kind of keeps going. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the glory of the the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 6, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have this treasure. Which treasure? The light that shone out of darkness, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way. Not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing. Moving on down to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, for though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For the momentary light affliction is producing for us, an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. I want to encourage you this morning that when you discover uh, Christ who's within and, and, and co-labor with Christ who's in, there's, there's an overflow. There's so much of him in you that uh, when he starts overflowing, he changes everything around you. And, and that's kind of fun. Uh, let, me, let me back up from, and go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So this passage is set up by the story in Exodus of uh, Moses going up on the mountain. Remember Exodus 19, they come to Sinai. There's a revelation of God on the mountain, earthquake, fire, all that kind of stuff. And, and basically the people say, you've got to go to Deuteronomy and cross-reference a bit here. But basically, in fact, exactly what they say is, Moses, that was really, that was really, that was really real, and we, we can't handle it. We, we don't want that anymore. Moses, you go find out what God wants. Come back and tell us everything he wants. We'll do exactly what he says, but don't let God come to us like that again. Can you imagine? I mean, the heartbreak of God. The message from, from the Lord had been, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. Every one of us embracing, every one of the, of the, the nation embracing the, God the Father. And so, so they said, no, 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 we can't handle that. So Moses goes up, comes back down. You know the story. As he comes down, I, I don't think he was aware of the fact his face was glowing. Now, if you're visual at all, try to figure that out. I can see it. You know, it's not, you know, makeup, by the way. <laughs> what is this? Cover girl or whatever they call it today. <laughs> and it's not some kind of a, you know, a, a you know, special effect. His face is glowing because when you spend time with God, he rubs off on you. Something happens to you. You're, you're, you're changed. And, and in fact, it was glowing so much that the, the elders who had met him asked him to cover his face 
his head with a, with a bag, I guess it was. Like, probably, probably burlap. I wonder if it itched when it kind of hit the back of his neck there. And I can see him kind of cutting holes in the eyelids. See the beams coming out? It's true, it happened. And uh, the, the, the presence of God on Moses was so powerful, so real, that they couldn't handle No, 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 that's too much. And, and I wonder how long Moses, apparently Moses wore it for quite, probably all the time, probably, except when he went into the tent of meeting. I don't see any evidence that the light ever went out. It just kind of. And that's the setup for 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he says that, that uh, this unveiling should take place. We are called in Christ, in Jesus, to, to become the light of the world. And I want to say, first of all, you are in the world for a reason. There's a reason for you being here. It's <laughs> more than deer hunting. I'm sorry. All the deer said amen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I, I encourage you guys, gals, while you're out there, to, to find the presence of God in the woods. In creation, the beauty of creation. It's just, it, it's awesome, isn't it? Um, the text says that if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelieving so they might not see the, the gospel, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is a dark world. These are dark days, hard days. Man, I, man it's almost been two years, hasn't it? I had just gotten back from New Zealand when all this kind of started, started happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I thought, well, it'll be a couple of weeks. And, and I had scheduled all the way out through the rest of the year, pretty much, uh, tickets to Africa, Asia. And uh, I just watched my schedule begin, to, like dominoes, boom, 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 boom. And I kind of, man, this is tough. And I'm sure some of you, I mean, the, 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 the escalation of, of, of all sorts of mental health issues has been just dramatic. Depression, anxiety. It's real, by the way. I'm someone who's been there before. And, uh, and yet I want to tell you, that's not the darkest I'm talking about. As dark as it may seem in the world around us, the real darkness is the darkness that goes on in the soul. The, the blindness that's, that's, that's brought by, by the enemy himself, the God of this world, who wants to keep people from seeing the gospel. He knows that when the gospel comes, when the gospel gets into your heart and your spirit, it changes you, and it kind of doesn't matter what's going on around you anymore. More than kind of, isn't it? And, and the real darkness we've got to be concerned about is the, 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 the blinded minds of those around us who don't know Christ, who, don't, who, who never... <laughs> Maybe know about him, but never had that personal revelation. And that's why you're here. In fact, uh, I'm just reminded that, that that means we're kind of living in this dynamic tension. We're kind of pulled between two worlds. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Uh, Jesus prays for his disciples in John 15, 17, verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Now, there's been movements all through church history to, to try to get us out of the world. The monastic, monastic movement. When I first came into the things of the Lord, my, when I was first born again, there was the, 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 the mentality, the, the, the idea, the, the atmosphere of the, of the believers was, we need to hide till Jesus comes. We need to separate ourselves. Get, get as far away from In fact, I don't think the pastor trusted us. Quite honestly, I don't think the leadership trusted us. I think, think, think they felt... 
if we start going back to the places we used to go, even if it was for witnessing, we get brought, dropped back in. We, we, we'd fall away. We'd backslide was the word. And uh, I'm not ignorant to the fact that it could be a danger, but how in the world are the lost going to find Jesus when we're hiding? Jesus, don't, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. The evil one's out there. He wants to come against us. You sent me into the world. I also send them into the world for the, watch this, the glory which you have given me, I give to. Did, did Christ come with glory? Wasn't there something about him that everyone kind of knew he was different somehow? Yeah. And he says, the glory that was given to me, I have given, past tense it says, given to them. So we're here for a purpose. We're here in the world for a purpose. I guess I want to ask, where is your world? What, what does your world look like? I mean, I had this very challenging experience probably 20 years ago now. I'm embarrassed to say the Lord challenged me as I was actually preparing, sitting in the church office. And I felt, I know it's in your spirit, it wasn't words, but it was an impression. How many unsaved friends do you have? And honestly, at that point, I had to say, I, I couldn't think of any. After all, Lord, I'm a pastor. It's my job to feed the sheep so that the sheep can go out and beget sheep. Notice that good old King James word there? I thought he'd be impressed. And uh, man, I, I just, I immediately was convicted. You, 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 my point is, you don't lead people to Jesus. Rarely do you lead people to Jesus that you don't know already. It's, it's, it's building trust through relationships. And, and immediately the Lord began to open doors for me to become, become very involved in my city. Uh, to this day, I'm very involved in, I probably have, I've, honestly, since I'm no longer a pastor, um, I was really excited to give the church over to a younger, younger man in the congregation several years ago. I probably have more unsaved friends in my immediate area than I do saved friends. And, uh, and why, why for? Why, why do I hang out with them? I mean, they, they don't talk the way we talk. Kind of interesting how, you know, when you're walking down the street, I walked down to the post office the other day, this, this one, of the, one of the street guys, they all, they all, call, they all call me pastor. And he, he walked up, right away I saw smoke coming up behind his back. Come on, I know you're smoking. Relax. Where's your world? Is it the office? Is it the neighborhood? Is it the school? Uh, Etc. Where, where is it that you're, you're the light for Jesus? Daniel's one of my heroes. I, 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 Daniel's, just, Daniel's taken from his home, brought to a foreign country, Required to learn a new language, new cultures. Everyone knows he's not one of them because of his accent. Ah, da, 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 da. And yet, he's, he's kind of singled out. The Babylonians had a very interesting strategy. They knew that conquering nations isn't usually done by force. It's done by a mindset. You win hearts and minds. You conquer them by force first. But if you're going to keep them, you change. You, you, you alter their mindset. So they would, they would harvest, if you will. They would cultivate young men and women from that, that conquered country, bring them to Babylon, teach them the ways of the Babylonians, then send them back to become the new leaders. Hearts and minds. And uh, Daniel was one of those, those select few. But Daniel, you remember Daniel makes a choice, doesn't he? Chapter, eight, chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel made up his... That's where it starts. He made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Does that mean? Battery going low, maybe? 
he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he would not defile himself. You know, we're in the world. Please stay in the world. But we're not of the world. We must not be defiled by the world around us. And, and in fact, you remember Daniel was tested and, and uh, passing his test, it's declared in chapter 1, verse 20, he was found to have more wisdom, 10 times more wisdom, 10 times wiser than all his compatriots because he had set himself to seek God. And I, and I believe that's, that's the difference that should be displayed, that people should see in us not just that we can spout Scripture, but that we, we're, we're living... Well, let's go on. Let's read what the Bible says. Discover Christ within. That's my next thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 again. Let's go back to 18. It might say 81 on the notes there. I'm sorry if it does. That's a test, by the way. But we all with unveiled face. Unveiled, unveiled. Lord, take off the veil. For the veil for what? For, for Christ is within. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as one Christ. Chapter 4, verse 6. The God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Now, this is pretty neat when you think about it. If you go back to the creation story, read the creation story. Um, Light is created on, on, I think it's the fifth, fourth or fifth day. The sun and the moon, it's the day after at any rate. The day before the sun and moon are created, light is created. Hello? In fact, I wonder if there was this kind of conversation within the Godhead saying, I guess we better create a sun and a moon because those humans are really going to be confused when there's light coming from nowhere. Oh, and by the way, in the New Jerusalem, there's no more need for the sun of the moon because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, he called light out of nothing, and he is the one who shines in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That same God who called light out of nothing is living inside of you. We have this treasure. What is the treasure? The treasure is the light. The life of Christ within us in earthen vessels. So, so no wonder Jesus would say, who is the light of the world? That's a trick question because Jesus said, what? I, didn't Jesus say, I'm the light of the world? But he also said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that you are the light. That's, that's why we got to stay in the world. The world is dark. And, and even a little light makes a big difference when it's really dark. When I lived in Manila, we, we went to a progressive uh, period of, of the electric failing. It just, the, the power grid was overstretched and started out for two or three hours, always in the evening because that's when they need electric the most and ended up being 12 hours a day. And, and, you know, it's amazing how little lights make a difference when it's really, really dark. Remember my boys doing, kind of like Abraham Lincoln thing, doing their homework by candlelight. Galatians 2 verse 20 says it this, this way. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives inside me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Is it amazing, Grace? How sweet what a wretch I was. Was. Don't anyone tell you you're a wretch anymore. If you're born again, because you're crucified with Christ. That wretch died. And now Christ lives within. Colossians 1 verse 29. For this purpose. Colossians 1 29. And then you can just, I wish I could read the whole passage, but time forbid. 
For this purpose I labor, Paul says, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Christ within. Christ within. Lord, Lord, help us discover who Christ is in us. This longing to live out through us. And, uh, and I got to tell you, over the last number of years, as I've tried to begin to work that out, it's a lot of fun. Kind of scary sometimes. So uh, several years ago, my wife and I were, we were actually were, were traveling, meant to go to Chicago to do some ministry. And we went a, went a couple days earlier. I had some points to stay in a nice hotel there, right downtown on the lakefront. And, and we've been to Chicago, up in that big city. And uh, my wife wanted to go to the is it Chicago Institute of Art. That big art museum, world-famous art museum. I said, of course, honey, I'd love to take you there. And, uh, and actually, I, I was pleasantly surprised because the first one was all about uh, medieval art, which, of course, was all about the church because that's all they allowed. And uh, it was very intriguing, very interesting. And I thought by the time we got to the back of the building, we were, okay, it's about time for lunch now, right, babe? We're, no, no, honey. She said, there's a second floor. I said, oh, oh, yes, I'd love to go to the second floor. <laughs> and so we walked to the elevator. We pushed the button to go up. The, bu- 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 the door, we get inside. And just as the door is closing, another, another man walks in behind us in a bit of a, like, kind of like a uniform. He was a janitor, apparently. He worked in the, in the museum. And I just, all I said was, sir, what floor would you like to go to? And I turned to him and he said, number, number three, I think it was, was beyond us. And I turn back and push the button. We go up. It doesn't take long to get to the second floor. We walk out. My wife and I walk out the door. And he's following us out the door. I said, I, I thought you were going to the third floor. He looked at me and said, I need to talk to you. Are you a politician? <laughs> I've been called all kinds of names before. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm, I'm a Christian. Really? And, and he said, there's something different about you. And again, he had to get back to work. We didn't have a long conversation, but it must be Jesus. All I said was, sir, what for? Maybe it was showing him respect. That helps, doesn't it? A couple of years ago, I was flying uh, somewhere. I think I'm to Texas somewhere flying. And, and uh, I was blessed enough to get bumped up to first class. And the kind of neat thing about up in the front of the plane is there's only two seats. Two, two. So you get, you get to have deeper conversations. And I'm sitting there, sat down, and a lady sat down next to me. And, and immediately when, when a lady sits down next to me, because I never know where the conversation is going to go, I always quickly say, I, I find some way to kind of work out how happily I'm married for all these years, and my wife is so wonderful. Because that kind of that sets that to rest. And, and, and it triggered something in her. Wow, you've been married that long? I don't think she knew anyone that old. <laughs> And, and boy, the conversation, it wasn't really a conversation. She was just doing all the talking. And about 20 minutes go by. And I'm just kind of facing the front. Once in a while, kind of turning a little. And after a while, she, she turns around and, and looks right at She says, why am I telling you all these things? Unburdening the depth of her heart, the, the, the issues with her marriage and, and, and the, the hurt, the pain. Why? And, and I smile. I said, I didn't say it. I know why. Because there's something with, have you ever had anyone say to you, why am I telling you this? I can tell you why. There's something in you. There's light in you that people are longing for. They're dying for, literally. The, the, the blindness is stripped away for moments while you're there. And, there. 
and, and they, they want to tell you because you can make a difference in their lives. I, uh, my wife and I went away for July 4th. So my wife is from, born, born in Washington, D.C. area. Um, Native American background, actually. Many people think she's Asian because she's so pretty. And, uh, but she, was, she, she really was raised most of her life in the suburbs of D.C. So that's kind of like her home, hometown, favorite town. So for, for the 4th of July, we went down to the fireworks. And it's a really special kind of thing. There's hundreds of thousands of people, and it goes on for like 45 minutes. You've probably seen it on TV. And uh, we hadn't been for several years. And I tell you, it was just nice to be in a crowd for a, cha for a, for, for a change. And uh, on the way back, uh, we stopped at Sam's Club in Frederick, coming home. And as I walked into Sam's Club, you know how Sam's Club works? They've they got a guy at the, at the door who's checking to see if you're for real. And he's really not paying any attention, by the way. And uh, as I almost all, I try always to do, and I, I would offer this to you as an opportunity. I asked him, how are you today? And I know that's the typical thing you say to each other. Fine, you know, you push the little button on your, your recorder. Fine, how are you? And often I'll say, really? And uh, I, I, I asked him, how are you? I never got to say, really. He said, I'm fine. And then he paused. He said, oh, really? I'm, I'm, I've got this, this thing in my jaw. It's a tooth. And the pain's just shooting up through my jaw. I, I'm in pain. You know, people are waiting behind me. I looked him right in the eye. I asked him, what's your first name? Because I could see on the, on the nameplate, his name was probably Middle Eastern. And he said his name. And I looked him right in the eye. I said, in the name of Jesus. Do I know what happened? I don't have a clue. But I know he'll never forget that crazy man who looked him in the eye that day and said the name of. And if it's just words, then I probably was wasting time. But if there's someone within. In fact, I prayed a number of times after that. Look, what could happen? The ripple effect, if indeed maybe he's from a Muslim background, what could the ripple effect be? Please stop railing on the Muslims, by the way. They're here for, for us to lead them to Jesus. Uh-oh. <laughs> Anyone who's a guest, a foreigner, they're here for a purpose so we can talk to Jesus about them. Send them back as missionaries, if nothing else. I, I, I wonder. Now, I'll be quick to say that there certainly have been times when I've tried to share a bit of my faith and people looked at me like I'd lost, you know, I had an extra eye or something. But I really do, I don't say these things to everyone. I really do pray about it. Lord, help me to know, where is it? Is this the time to let the light shine? And so often it's just as easy as saying, I've done this often in restaurants. Not often, I won't say often, but from time to time, whenever the Lord leads. Can I, can I, is there anything, you've been great to me today, great service. Is there anything I can pray for? And they also, always look at you kind of in shock at first. I've never been turned down, by the way. And usually the answer is somewhat of a pat answer. We were uh, next door to our church, but it was a restaurant a couple of, about two years ago, I guess. And uh, there were a new, a new couple in the church. I invited them. Let's go out for lunch together, get to know a little bit. And uh, <laughs> as the, this, this young lady was actually the, uh, what do they call the, the one who greets you and lets you come. Hostess. She, uh, she took us to our seat and she, she brought back the water. And as she set it down, it spilled all over my friends. She didn't even say, I baptize you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> she was horrified. Just so embarrassed. And of course, we, no, it's no big deal. No, don't worry about it. And, and the waitress came and, you know, brought the, da, 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 da. 
So the meal's about finished, and I'm watching her walk back and forth, and I just, I feel this, almost like a father kind of thing, a daddy kind of thing. I just felt so, something strong for her. And finally, I called her over, and she looked, and I think she was half scared to death. She came over to the table, and I said, I, I, can I pray for you? Is there anything I can pray for? Just that simple. And she looked at me and said, yeah, yeah, well, you could pray for my parents. That was easy out, wasn't it? See, the Lord, at that moment, I had to take the step of faith first. At that moment, he gave me a word of knowledge. I said, no, I'd love to pray for your parents, but could we, could, could, the force, could we pray for you? For, I think you, you want to go back to school, to college. And she literally stepped back. I thought she was angry at first. Who told you? Oh, that's an easy answer, isn't it? My Father in heaven who loves you is on your side. Can we pray for you? She dropped on her knees at the table. That's the first time that's ever happened. It may never happen again. And it's like this bubble. Like we weren't anywhere anyone else around us. You are the light of the world. She got up. She said, can I hug you? I said, well, you hug my wife. You know. <laughs> but, I'll, I'll, I mean, we see her now every couple of weeks. And to this day, she, she'll still stop on the street run over to my wife and hug us. The last time I saw her, she was asking about church again. What, what time is church? Well, I'm working then. There's something in there that's getting closer. Am I tempting you? See, see, it's just about being sensitive to being aware of the fact that Christ in you wants to shine to others around you. Let me wrap it up with, because I've got to be, got to kind of keep this, keep this thing in context. Remember in chapter 8, verse 4, he said, Chapter 4, verse 8, he says, we are afflicted in every way. He says, you're a treasure. We're also afflicted in every way, perplexed and not despairing. He goes on to describe some detail about the, the, the dying that goes on. So we are the light of the world, but I'm crucified with Christ. And some of you know, you felt, you're, you're sitting there saying, Terry, I, I, I can hardly make it to tomorrow. And you're talking to me about being a light for Jesus. I got to deal with my kids tonight. I got to send my kids back to their dad tonight. I can't get an appointment for, for anyone to talk to me about this, this anxiety. That's I can't sleep at night. Am I getting real yet? And you're, you're thinking, I, I can't do that. And I'm saying, yes, you can. Because we do not lose heart, verse 17, 16, 17 says, 4, 16. But through our outer man is being, became, our inner man is being renewed. Every single day. The Christ in you is not there to use you. We used to sing, Jesus, use me. Remember the old song? He really doesn't want to use you. He wants to work with you. He wants to flow through you. He wants to be alive in you. He actually is introduced to us in, in 1 Corinthians says, we're co-laborers with Christ. I, I can't imagine that, but it actually... That's what it says. So, so the dying that you're going through right now is actually just another part of the cycle, part of the process. Galatians 4, verse 19. My children, whom I again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Formed in you? In there? What's it labor, labor is all about childbirth, isn't it? And uh, some of you ladies know the pain. I witnessed it. Nothing like experiencing it. <laughs> But it's part of the process of, of the joy that comes afterwards. John said, John the Baptist, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
The writer of Hebrews says we're, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That's, this is chapter 11. Chapter 11 was all about all those men and women of faith conquering mountains, etc., etc. Some of them not getting their prayer, but still think, being faithful. They're, they're included in the same list. So since we've seen so much of that faith, let me encourage you. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. i got to ask you, what's entangling you today? What's keeping you? And, and, and I'm not making light of the hard, hard thing you're going through, but that, isn't, that, isn't gonna keep, that doesn't have to keep you back. If you get in, give into it, of course it will, but, but if you can find Christ in you, what, what is it that's distracting you from the Christ within, the cares of this world? No, not deer hunting. I was going to say that. Uh, the pleasures of, this, of this, this world. Are you paralyzed by comparing yourself to others? Boy, that, he can really live for Jesus, but I could never do that. Is it sin? Those secret sins. I was reminded just the other day, yesterday I guess it was, by one of our brothers, that David Wilkerson prophesied like 40 years ago that there would be pornography become so prevalent that it could come into every single household in America. Now we, we literally can carry around it, the porthole to, to the most vile, evil things. And guys, you're not going to shine when you got your eyes messed up with that stuff. It's going to pollute your heart. It's going to change the way you see things. And, and, and if you can find the grace of Christ, in fact, often it means finding a brother to agree with you, stand with you. I, I was talking to my assistant the other day, and she said uh, that uh, one of her coworkers had and uh, has gotten into astrology. She, she said, well, would you like to know about that? No, no, I, I don't want to know about that stuff. Paul said, I'd rather you were innocent to that which is evil and wise to that which is good. So there, we're in the world, but there is a separate. What is it that has entangled you and, and is dulling your light right now? What's pregnant inside of you? What's coming alive in you? The, the, the hope, the dream, the, the, the vision that God's given you. Maybe, maybe for that deck you're building out back. Can, can the Lord give you those kind of things? I think he loves to. And what is it, what is it these birthing in, that, the, that's real inside of you now, that the burden for your, your family members, your, your, your workmates, people, your neighbors that don't know Jesus? My, my message is very simple. Find Christ within you. And when you find Jesus, for me, it's like every single day over and over. When you find Jesus within, let him live out through you. Let him be the light of the glory of the, of the gospel and bring transformation, bring change, even when you're not even quite aware of it at times. Have some fun in the process. Thank you, Pastor. Amen.